Um, the, uh, the vision that, that I wanted to share and maybe explain on just a little bit, although it is kind of a brief vision at the moment, but the Lord has affirmed and confirmed um, to myself and my family that we're heading to the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., uh, to plant what will be a, a church and that the vision is to see it grow into a school and something that reaches out and touches the world just like, just like LCMF does. And so, you know, I don't know what to say um, about how uniquely difficult this is. You know, it's really a strange feeling. Uh, Kathleen and I come in here. It was just, it's hard to leave family, but we're super excited because we know God's taken us into another season. This, we know He's taken us into another season, but in doing that, we have to step away from, without a doubt, the most powerful church family that I've ever had the privilege to be a part of. I won't shy back from saying that anywhere I go. This is a special place. And to Kathleen and I, it's going to be hard in less than a month to say goodbye. Uh, the vision, though, is that God, maybe four or five years ago, He began to put it on my heart, something about the nation's capital. And um, it was, you know, a little over three months ago that He said, it's time. It's time to go. And so whether or not I feel ready is irrelevant because God said go. And whether or not I feel qualified is irrelevant because God said go. And that's how my message is going to spring up tonight from that aspect. I, I would be lying, guys, if I told you that there's any ounce of there's confidence in me, a holy confidence that comes with being in the presence of the Lord. But there's not this overwhelmingly, like, I don't feel capable to go do this. You feel it's quite overwhelming. I feel like I'm not qualified. I feel like I, uh, I'm a very unlikely candidate to bring to an area what it needs. I feel like an unlikely candidate, unlikely hero. And so as I begin to wrestle through some of this, uh, this is how the Lord began to speak to me. Uh, what I want to talk about, um, what I wanna, the verse I want to read first is just kind of how the Lord started um, pricking my heart uh, concerning this, this aspect of going, you know? Do I feel qualified? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But if God says go, what do we do? Go, we go. What do you do with that? If you feel absolutely unqualified, but God says go, you go. Okay, and this verse, I'm going to read it. It will make no sense to you at how it jolted my soul and, and, uh, and gave me clarity on that, but I'm going to read it. Um, I think it has something to do with focus. It's easy, even as a church, myself, it's easy to uh, lose focus at times. You know what I'm saying? We have to really keep the tension on to keep focus because all of a sudden I'll start drifting into this mentality. Okay, I'm unqualified to go to the nation's capital. And so what do I need to do to get qualified? What do I need to do to make sure that when I get there I can do what I need to do? And that's just wrong. Do you know, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing when I drove to Sugarland, Texas. Maybe I ought to pause to update everybody on that because there's tons of new people in here. I literally threw that beautiful blonde in a Jeep that didn't really run all that well and two boys in the back of a Jeep and drove to Sugarland, Texas. I didn't know a soul except our friends in Pearland. But we, God told us to come to Sugarland. It's completely abnormal how I met this 
bunch of people. And all the while, it's been the most profitable two and a half years of my entire life. Hands down. And I had no idea what I was doing when I pulled out of my driveway. Not a clue. And so why do I want anything more than that going here? God says go, what do we do? Go. We just go. But this is kind of how it, I've been reading through Jeremiah at the end of chapter 5. And I really hope the Lord puts some direction to this because I feel like it's a lot of rabbit trails hopping around here. We're going to get it, guys. In Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse number 30. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse number 30. It says, An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule on their own authority. And so that's bad. That's bad. The prophets are prophesying falsely and, and uh, the priests are trying to operate under their own authority. And as sad as that is, that's not even the two sentences that hit me the hardest. The saddest is that my people love it. That's the saddest point. The people actually love it. And that's a perspective problem. That's a heart problem. And when I read that, it spoke to me concerning uh, focus. Focus, Zeke. God saying go, I go. I don't have it lined up. I don't have it mapped out. I feel like a very unlikely candidate. And I'm leaving um, tons of people who I love very much. But he says go, and so we must go. The value of a loogie. The value of a loogie. Maintaining a, uh, a proper perspective in our world is difficult. Don't you agree? Okay? It's difficult. There's stuff that shouts out everywhere that I'm a failure. Whether you're standing in front of a magazine in a store, or you're sitting at a stoplight while your car is smoking and the rest are... Having their air blow in the AC. I don't know. I got AC, so I'm not picking on nobody. But I'm just saying, at every street corner, and it just shouts, failure, failure, failure. And it's hard to keep your head out of that mess. It's really hard to keep your head out of that mess and know that God is in the business of taking the unlikely and making them heroes. So just as I begin to... Um, lay on my closet floor wondering, God, how in the world will you make this work? I don't know how to make this work. I'm not the most likely of choices. And he's like, well, what do you think I was? I came in a manger, the lowliest place you could think of. My entire ministry, despite all the miracles I performed, they always referenced me as Joseph's son. What good can come out of Nazareth? It was always unlikely. The story of the Bible, you find a story and I'll show you an unlikely hero. It's all about the unlikely. So if I stood up here and told you today, it's very unlikely that this storefront church could change Houston, it would hurt. But from a biblical perspective, I'd say you were positioned for greatness. God takes the unlikely and does the miraculous. It's just what He does. Every story, every account are men and women that were rejected, lost, no chance. And He did something. 
and why. So I'm going to speak a little bit on that tonight as I'm trying to get myself together here. When that evil mentality sinks in, like I'm not, I'm not, I can't, I can't. It's selfish, it's prideful, it's demonic, it's just the enemy trying to quench what God is putting together. It's a mentality of defeat. It's a mentality of disbelief. And so I shared lately, that's just a struggle, stepping out. This is me stepping into something for the first time that I'll be responsible for carrying. There's others that will join us, but I'll be responsible for carrying this thing. No more up. Go talk to Eric and Matt, you know. And it makes me a little bit scared. Is that fair enough to say that I'm not this brave, crazy man who thinks I'm going to win the White House in a month? <laughs> Is it okay that I say that? I'm, I'm, I tremble a little bit. Makes you just like us. Yes. Paul said, I don't come with persuasive words, but fear and trembling. I'm not really all as brave as I look when it comes down to it, yet God takes the unlikely and makes them heroic. And I am in a room full of unlikelies. And I expect heroic stuff to come out. It already is. It already is. And I can't wait to see it go further. Um, I want to go to uh, 1 Corinthians to start off with. First Corinthians. First Corinthians. Uh, chapter number one, verse twenty five, or something like that. It's funny, as I think about it, the very things that disqualify us according to the world standards, oh man, you ain't got no money, you ain't got no education, you don't have what it takes. It's funny, the very thing that disqualifies us according to the world standards is the very thing that qualifies us before our Father. But yet, we'll spend a lot of time, money, and energy seeing if we could line up and fit the world standards. Y'all feeling me on that? That was a cool thing. I've never said that phrase before. Y'all feeling me on that. Um, <laughs> the very thing, the very things in our life that disqualify us according to the world standards is the very thing that qualifies us before our Father. Why spend our time seeking anything other than absolute obedience to His voice? It's what works. Are we in 1 Corinthians 1.27? Yes. Um, and it's, you know the scripture I'm going at. It might be on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll start in uh, 27. It says, but God has chosen. So God did what? He chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised God has what? Chosen. The things that are not so that He might nullify the things that are. And here's why. So that no man may boast before God. We are so greedy, so prideful 
that God always has to do it in unconventional ways because we would jump up and try to snatch the glory. We would have to do it. We would have to jump up and grab that glory because we're just that good. <clears throat> and he says, I'm going to choose the weak. I'm going to choose the foolish. I'm going to choose the lowly so that when I do it, it shocks the world and only I get glory. Amen. And that's how God operates. So don't be discouraged that you feel unqualified, brothers and sisters. God's going to shock the world through you. Maybe there's somebody in here that needed to hear that afresh tonight. Don't feel discouraged because you seem unqualified because God always has and He always will choose those to shock the world and bring glory to His name. Amen. The unlikely heroes, the future heroes who got all those awards. It might be unlikely, but God's saying, that's just what I need. Okay, y'all with me tonight? Yeah. All right. 1 Corinthians 1.27 tells that, but, but, by, uh, but by His doing you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in who? The Lord. The Lord. So it's not by my might and it's not by my power after all. It is only God. Yeah, I'll take it. Thank you, thank you. And so we know all the stories. That's why Gideon couldn't fight with 32,000. Gideon had to fight with how many? 300. That's why Joshua couldn't march with weapons. He had to march with what? Ram's horns and lanterns. Did he have some lanterns that he broke? Maybe. Yeah. David. Unlikely, man. It's unlikely that the shortest, wimpiest kid would do it. But he's the bravest. And so unlikely heroes, the value of a loogie. The value of a loogie. I'm going to talk tonight, I'm going to bring out just four reasons why this world may deem you unlikely. And so just from my either knowing this group or the Lord's unction, Okay, I feel like the first three may hit a few here and there, but the last one's really uh, applicable. Applicable. Okay? But listen to all four of them, because you never know what you'll draw from it. But I'm going to hit three fairly quickly, and then stop on the fourth for just a second. Why does this world deem us unlikely? Why might you feel unlikely? Incapable. Incapable to take this city. Incapable to um, take the downtown. Incapable to go to the nation's capital. Why might I feel unlikely? And I'm just telling you, this is not like some motivational speech where it's like anybody can do anything and be president one day. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we're going to learn to beat off those threats of the enemy that make us feel insignificant and know that God chooses people who don't feel qualified because He loves that humble heart where you know what He knows that you can't do it without Him. That I can't do it without Him. That's a good position for our hearts to be in. 
Okay, so uh, the first thing I want to mention is, um, uh, and guys, a lot of these are just coming right out of my heart. Just right out of my heart. This is what I've been um, drawing encouragement from for the last couple weeks. Okay? So I'm not really up here really preaching at all. I'm just sharing to my family how my last couple weeks have gone. How I've wrestled with the fact that this just is not possible. You've picked the wrong fella. Okay? And how God said, look, it doesn't matter how you or this world or anybody else views you is unlikely. Those are the people I pick. So don't be surprised. Number one, I talked, uh, the Lord spoke to me about heritage. Your heritage. There's people that may, that may feel like, what do I have to offer because of where you came from? Where you came from. Your heritage. Poor, outcast, heathen, rebellious, orphaned, whatever. I don't have a chance because of such and such. And you know who proves that's a lie? People like Gideon. The poorest of the poor in um, the city of Manasseh. You know who proves that wrong? Esther. The captivity and having her, her parents stripped from her. Just an orphan raised by an uncle. And promoted to queen because God had a plan for her life. And so we know that. Our heritage can't stop us. We're born again. Our heritage is in the Lord Jesus anyway. Amen. But those are things you might think about. Just look at, look at, my, look at my, uh, uh, my heritage. Do I have a chance? Do I have anything to offer? God picked those people. He picked the least in a tribe in the poor city. He picked an orphan girl. He picked the lowly shepherd. Your lack of ability. Come on, maybe some of us have struggled with that or still do. Our lack of ability. Until you go to, uh, until you go to Matthew 4, when the disciples were called, and Eric's taught on this a lot, so I didn't want to even elaborate into it. The disciples, the 12 disciples, why were they even working with their families? At that age, in that society? Because they were rejects. They were failures. They weren't quite good enough to make it into that next level of school. Weren't quite good enough. Your lack of ability may deem you by this world an unlikely. And I'm saying I'm fine with that. Because God picked 12 men that were very unlikely in terms of ability as measured by their society, and they shocked the world. They shocked the world. And I guess what I'm getting at, guys, is I don't want to spend my life trying to measure up and earn this measure of qualification when in doing that I'm going to disqualify myself in the service of the Lord. Remain humble. Remain weak to the point that you acknowledge that if God doesn't do it, it won't get done, but I'm willing and I'm ready. I'm willing and I'm ready. Your heritage, poor, outcast, rebellious. Okay? Nope. Gideon, Esther, hey, they stand 
as a demonstration of the fact that we can't, we can't do that. Our lack of abilities, nope. That's not going to disqualify us. God picked 12 that changed the world. What about a dreadful past? This is different than heritage because heritage we're blaming on others. Okay? And our dreadful past is our fault. I've been too bad. I'm too wretched. I've made too many mistakes and I'm too far gone. And oh boy... Are we lit up with examples of that? Talk to me about Paul. The cheapest of sinners. Murdered Christians by the thousands. Would that make somebody unlikely? I would say so. But that's the very one that God reached down and chose to use. That should encourage us. It encourages me. That is the very man that God reached down and used. Peter walked with Jesus. Okay? And what did he do three times? And you know, that's, that's a pretty gripping... Look, in Luke 22, we'll turn there just for a second. Uh, Luke chapter 22, uh, this gospel records the account where there's a pretty powerful eye contact between Jesus and Peter. What do you think that felt like? I mean, honestly, if you could put yourself in his shoes, maybe it's Luke 22 and it's, in the, it's 60. It's 60. Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter and Peter remembered the word of the Lord. And what did it say in 61? The Lord what? Turned and looked at Peter. He turned and looked. What do you think that felt like? Do you think at that moment Peter probably felt um, unlikely from then on? I mean, I surely would have. The third time he denied Christ, he looks over and catches eyesight with the Savior of the world. Eye to eye contact with the Savior of the world. Yet you flip over to Acts, he's lighting it up. Unlikely to the world is the exact position God wants you in to perform greatness through you. Amen. That's been keeping me afloat lately. It should be unlikely. Do you know why? Because it gives me a chance to please God. You know us going to D.C., the numbers don't line up. The numbers just don't line up. And thank God they don't. Because without faith, it's what? Impossible to please God. So my one chance to please Him is by exercising faith. And yet I pray hard. Oh, gimme, 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 gimme. i got to get have faith. I'm asking God to remove my chance to please Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So what if the numbers don't line up? So what? God's never came through before? So what if the fire is seven times hotter? So what if the lions haven't been fed and Daniel's dropped down in there? So what? 
Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And so the more unlikely that I feel, the more empowered I feel. Because I feel like that's the moment when God will reach down and put His hand in you and just shake the world through you. And I'm, I'm happy to tell you tonight that I think you're all unlikely. <laughs> Very unlikely. Man, I know, you know a good 50% of the testimonies in here. They're miraculous. They're miraculous. I'm looking at miracles. I mean, I'm looking at miracles, all of who, man, it's unlikely, it's unlikely. Yeah, and they're carrying revival. They're carrying revival. He uses the unlikely, so stay that way. It's unlikely. Your heritage, Gideon and Esther, boom. Nope, that's not an excuse. Our lack of abilities, they can deem us unlikely, but God shocked the world through 12 that were unlikely. Our dreadful past. Paul, Peter, there's plenty of examples of that. He shocked the world through taking people that were willing to repent and turn to Christ. Uh, this last one, though, uh, hit me a little more, and maybe it'll hit some of you a little more, and we'll stop on it just for a little bit. Um, the world deems us unlikely sometimes by what we do. By what we do. Unlikely because of what we do. Is anyone familiar with the term loogie? That's unanimous. So tell me, what is a loogie? I didn't expect that. Anybody know what a loogie is? That's close. I mean, you're close, brother. Jesus did make, in John 9, didn't he do some kind of loogie work? Kind of changed the world. Change that man's world by loogie. But, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little bit something different. Anybody familiar with the baseball term loogie? Anybody? Raise your hand if you know that term. All right, Steve, what is it? Okay. So the value of a loogie. The world tries to deem us unlikely. And let me tell you about a loogie. Okay? A loogie is... And I'm always using sports analogies, and I'm not even that big of a sportsman anymore. <laughs> At all. A loogie is a left-handed specialist. Okay? That's what a loogie is. stands for, oh man, I forgot the initials, but lefty, one-out guy. One-out guy. Loogie. And do you know that he's often never referred to as a hero, ever, ever. I mean, this man's a lefty, so he's a specialist. He's not just a lefty, he's a specialist. And so a lefty specialist would usually only pitch to left-handed hitters on the opposing team, okay? And even when he did that, it was usually one batter at a time, okay? So this man is sitting for nine innings wondering if two things have to line up for this man to get any action. Number one, a lefty has to be at the plate, and number two, it has to be in a spot in the game where it's actually worth pulling your ace to justify putting in a one-out guy. So that's like, that's bottom nine kind of stuff. A loogie, the value of a loogie. He's priceless. 
when you consider three things. Okay? The types of people that he gets out, when he gets them out, and how consistent he is at getting them out. You consider those three things, and a loogie is priceless. He gets no action for inning after inning after inning after inning. Nothing. But at just the right time, he comes in and he saves the day. Why? Why the value of a loogie? He seems absolutely insignificant, but he knows his role. And despite the fact that he's an unlikely hero, he's content in his role to perform what he's supposed to do. To see victory. And so my point in that is simply this. The unlikely heroes, unlikely from this world's point of view, is what we do. You're just a mom. You're just a dad. You're just a concrete worker. You're just a mechanic. You're just a salesman. Whatever. Whatever this world tries to put in your heart and mind, and we call it the world, we call it the enemy, it's both. It tries to deem us unlikely. And it could not be further from the truth. Know the value of a loogie. Championships have been won by a loogie. Because if he wasn't in position and willing and ready to go, then there would be no victory. It's about knowing your role. Either presently or what God is requiring of your life. When you know that, and you're not swayed by how this world deems you, oh, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a leader, so what? Amen. So what? You're not unlikely because you're not a certain title. You're likely to be a hero. If you'll only follow Christ with your whole heart. I'm going to give a few examples of that. Uh, let's go to Exodus 17. Exodus chapter number 17. There it is. Exodus chapter number 17, and I'm going to start in verse number 8. We're going to look up a few loogies, okay? I'm glad y'all have a different perspective on loogie now, because when I heard that hawking, that made me want to get a sip of my water. Loogie. The power, I mean the value of such a man is priceless and woman. I'm sure they have them in softball. Exodus chapter number 17, and we'll go to verse number 8. And then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek and Moses Aaron and who? 
went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held up his hand, Israel what? When Moses held up his hand, Israel... I lost my place, I'm sorry. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Okay? So let's get what's happening here. Moses' hands are heavy. And you know this. We're just going through it and freshening it up a little bit. Moses' hands are heavy. And when his hands are up, they... And when his hands are down, they lose. So how critical is Moses right now? Oh, he's pretty critical, man. Very, very critical. When his hands are up, they what? And when his hands are down, they what? They lose. But his hands are getting heavy. Which means that the leader here is, is running low on gas. And all of a sudden, it doesn't become about one man anymore. Although it never really was. But Moses needs help. Who would be content just holding up a man's arms? Oh, the world might tell us, <laughs> a world changer? Man, it's highly unlikely you'll ever be a world changer just holding up people's arms. I mean, come on, right? Am I right? It's highly unlikely that you'll ever make a huge impact in this world merely holding up people's arms. I don't think so. Not if that's what God has ordained you to do. And that's what God needs you to do. Then despite the fact that it may look unlikely by every standard possible, God says, yes, I'll use it. And I'll perform miraculously through it. And so we're talking about her. We're talking about her and Aaron. His hands are heavy, and, and if they go down, they lose. So they took a stone, they put it under him. He sat on it, and Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Who prevailed? Okay. And how big of a part did a man like Aaron and a man like her play in that? huge. It's huge. You can't even put a word on how huge it is. And my knowledge of her is, is limited. I don't think the Bible mentions much at all about her at all. There's a few places it's mentioned. I don't know how it's interrelated, if it's the same man or not. Her. Hardly anything about her. Yet is this not an unlikely hero? Is her not a hero? Her is a hero. A hero. You're not unlikely for what you do. You'll change the world because of what you do. I'm going, um, I'm going to Timothy now. I'm going to Timothy, yes. Second the second book of Timothy in chapter number 1. Yeah, the second book of Timothy, chapter number 1.
All right, so 2 Timothy chapter number 1, and starting verse number 2, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, and I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is within you as well. And I had a short sentence I wrote down after that. It said this, to get it right in your home is heroic. It really is. To get it right in your home is heroic. And it's as overlooked as anything could possibly be by our, by, by our churchy standards today. But to get it right in the home is absolutely heroic. To leave a godly legacy. Oh, that our, uh, that our heritage would outlast us. Amen. Man, that is my dream. I don't want it to end with me. Lord willing to go to my kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. Man, that's what I love the most about when we went to see David Hogan. Eight generations. When I heard that, I don't know that I've heard that before. And it's because I haven't heard much, probably. But eight generations, that's really, that touched my heart the most. That touched my heart the most uh, that whole weekend. Eight generations following after Christ. How is that possible? Here we go. Lois and Eunice, it first dwelled in them. He's saying, I'm sure it's in you. And he knows it is. He knows it is. It's his son in the faith. Get it right in your home is so heroic. How unlikely. Oh, you're going to change the city. How? One light. Oh, that's unlikely. Oh, but on the contrary. It's absolutely what God demands to see revival spring forth. Absolutely, 100%. Get it right in your home, it's heroic. And the last one um, I love the most, I, I was just reading down. Uh, I happened to be provoked to look at some different uh, names after we studied first or second or third John that night at Pastor Eric's house. What name do we look at? Gaius? Yeah, it was Gaius. So then I got to thinking, man, there's all these names in the Bible. Who are these dudes? I mean, these guys are, they're, they're there. Something's happening with them. I'm reading through here and I thought, as all this is pondering my mind, come across a man named Anisiphorus. And I'm pronouncing that to the best of my ability. Anisiphorus. Okay? You say it. On three. One, two, three. That was wrong. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, he's still going. And so... Um, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to keep on reading in verse 8 until we, until we get to it. <laughs> um, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, His prisoner. This is Paul writing. It's pretty cool stuff. 
He said, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. And I read that just, just so I didn't leave out any part of his letter. Here's the verse I wanted to get to. Chapter 15. You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. They turned away from me in Asia. And this really touched me when I read it. Really neat. Really neat. And then he says in verse 16, The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, what did he do? He eagerly searched for me and found me. The Lord grant to him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know very well what services he rendered in Ephesus. And I have nothing to tell you on that, but it really intrigued me. He's right, Paul's writing to Timothy, and you know what he did in Ephesus. Wonder what that was. Does anybody know just by chance? Nobody? Man, that intrigued me. But look at Onesiphorus, whose name literally means prophet bringer or useful. So Paul was unlikely, right? Unlikely of all unlikelies. And he murdered people like us. Murdered us. The light shines down and man gets born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and just starts shaking this world up. And man, he's imprisoned, he's beaten, he's tortured, he goes through it. Often in dungeons and chains that none of us have ever seen, probably even on television. And to think of the importance of a man that would just bring him the refreshing he needs to go on. Golly, how critical is that? How unlikely is that? How unheroic is that? And yet he is a part of the spread of the gospel in a mighty, mighty way because he refreshed. What's neat about this guy here, I'm calling him this guy now. Onesiphorus. He wasn't ashamed of Paul's chains. Paul didn't go knocking on his door and say, man, can you help me out a little bit? I'm struggling. He eagerly searched him out. When he was in Rome, eagerly searched him out. 
And he found him. And we only have to speculate and wonder with a great imagination is what happened in Ephesus. How unlikely to call a man like that a hero. Yet you remove him from that particular time and place in life and you have no idea what happens to Paul. Later in life and chains and things like that. Needing refreshment. You ever, you ever had a fresh word, anybody in here, given to you? Okay. How unlikely that somebody over here might stand up and give a prophetic word that would absolutely jolt this person right back into service. Very unlikely, but we got to do it. we got to be faithful to do what God has asked us to do despite how unlikely it looks. Because the spread of the Gospel depends on it. It's very unlikely, very unlikely that my family will set foot in a city such as Washington, D.C. and see it change for the gospel, but that's just where I need to be. That's just the place where God reaches down and says, well, you're broke, you're whatever I am, all of it, but... I can do something from you because I know only I'll get the glory. And the same here. Storefront church, a couple hundred people. It's unlikely that this city will be turned upside down. Mm, but that's just where God wants you. And He's going to do it. I mean, He will do it. And look at the life of Jesus. Come on. How unlikely. What an unlikely hero. And then... As I close, I thought of Lugi in a different way, which Eric mentioned. In John chapter 9, when Jesus works that spittle into that clay and touches a man's eyes, what does it do? He awakes. And he stands before the people and he says, I don't really know what to tell you, but I was once blind and now I see. Amen. So if we're willing... To, be, to have the value of a loogie. We can change the world. Are you ready to be unlikely? Yes. Because God's ordained you. He's ordained you. So if you felt unlikely tonight, and it might have not ministered to anybody because this was just what I've been getting lately, but if you feel unlikely, I'm telling you, you're, you're in position for greatness. God loves you. He'll use you. And uh, I'm excited to see what the Lord will do.